Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If we abide in him, then the word will richly abide in us and he'll come in and have his home with us. So if, when you see an if and a promise, that means you have something to do with it. If you don't keep your part, God can't keep his part. Okay, let me give you an example. If we confess our sins, he is what? He's faithful to always forgive my sin. You're going to see Cain won't confess his sin. Promise doesn't fly. Lots of people want to get physically fit. They spend money on special food, fitness club memberships, and many other things, hoping to find their way back to health. Most of the time, though, they fail. They don't keep the promises they made to themselves. You'll find out today in Pastor Mark's teaching that God has made promises to mankind. Some you know about, like the prophecies of the Messiah and things like that. But you'll hear about promises that he made that can only be fulfilled if you do your part. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he begins his message, Faith, God's Gymnasium. Chapter 11, book of Hebrews. Let me take some of you back to organic chemistry. This is known as acetaminophen or Tylenol. Any of you have faith in Tylenol? Come on. Sure you do. About 5 billion are sold every day or whatever. You get on an airplane, the big old 747 or the new one coming up. Do you have faith that that pilot passed the exam (laughs) and it isn't his day to go to be with Jesus? (laughs) Because if he goes, we all go. I ask you those questions because I want you to write this. Everyone has faith and lives by faith. Most of us in the last week or two have eaten out. If you'd have gone to the kitchen, you might not have eaten out, seen what the way the food is prepared. But we simply take, as you saw there, medicine. We throw out a fishing line. We fly in a plane. We eat in restaurants. We go to the doctor. We lay on the surgery table. We get in our cars. We pray that the stoplight, the people in the other lane are going to stop. We have faith that... The traffic signals are working, and it's not hard for us because this is a common everyday occurrence. Actually, it's a no-brainer. We don't even think about it. We just simply have faith. You came in, you didn't 
test your chair five times to see if it'll work before you just plopped right on down. And for hopefully every one of you, you're fine. It, it, it worked. It held. Now remember, these Hebrews are facing an uncertain future. They're Jewish Christians who believed in Jesus, but they'd never personally, obviously, seen him. Their conversion had placed them in difficult circumstances. And the writer over and over reminds them, in spite of the persecution from the family and from the government, that Jesus was better. We've seen in these first 10 chapters kind of a one major point that the new covenant, based on Jesus' blood, is in every way superior to the old covenant in the Old Testament. And so the key word all through this book has been the word better. Better than angels, better than Moses, better than the Sabbath, better than a high priest, better than the ministering priests, New Testament better than old, New Testament better promises, Christ's sacrifice better than the old former promises, Christ's offer, as we'll see here in chapter 11, of heaven is better. Now, again, one of the main purposes of this book, and I think it'll challenge you, was encouragement. In other words, the writer is saying, I know things are difficult, and if they could have had that song that we just sang, you'll never let go. You just, you'll never let go. So hang on, there's light coming at the end of the tunnel. And so they're just being challenged by the writer to hang in there, go through the persecution, go through whatever it takes, because so far you've been very, very faithful. Just continue on that road. Now, go right back to chapter 10, because as you know, there's no break in the writings. We didn't have chapter and verse when this letter was written to the Hebrews. They just sat down and read it. Probably took a break from time to time. Go down to verse 32. Chapter 10, Paul says this, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. And you sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So Paul says, "Just I encourage you to just to, to basically hang in there and endure. All through the world, people are reading this message. And it's much more than a Bible study to them. It's life. In a few weeks, Linda and I will be going to Singapore. And then I'm heading over to India with the pastor from Calvary Chapel there. Well, there's many people that are just hanging on because of persecution. If you saw the news today in Kenya, you know, we're on the radio there five days a week in Kenya. And we have a Calvary Chapel church there. And it's just very difficult. It's very dangerous at the moment. And these people wouldn't read this as like a nice Bible study. What does that word really mean there? Can you give it to me in the Greek? No, they're looking for encouragement simply to hang in there because they don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. 
whether they'll even be alive in many of these places. So this is the same kind of scenario. We haven't seen that yet in this country, at least in the last few hundred years. Verse 36, you need to persevere or endure so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And then Paul ties this endurance in, perseverance in, with faith. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So in other words, the challenge to just hang with it, and the reason you can hang with it is because you have faith. And then he rolls right in to tell us in the next chapter, you've probably never done that, you probably just turn to chapter 11 and start about with the definition or kind of a symbol of faith, what it looks like. But he rolls right in and says, well, this is how faith operates. Here it is in chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. So this chapter is tied in perfectly with the exercise in the endurance of our faith. And we're going to see men and women over the next many, many weeks here in chapter 11 in the Old Testament who believed, and then they had to exercise their faith because of difficulties. And of course, exercising that faith is through obedience. And they kept it just like this church in Italy. They kept the faith and endured tremendous shame. Sometimes when we read chapter 11 and verse 1, especially if you read in the King James, it's very difficult to grasp what that means. You can read it four or five times and you're not sure what faith means. Here's just a couple other illustrations and I'm going to give you a very simple definition. But notice in the New Living Translation, what is faith? It's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot, I like this, yet see, but it's coming. And actually, most of us never even look at the Living Bible anymore. It was great in its day as kind of a thing to read, a little freshness. Of course, you would never study by it. But actually, their definition of faith is really good. Look what it says. What is faith? It's a confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is a certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Now, there's a couple key words I want you to see in those definitions, in the one that you have, and you may have the New King James as well or whatever. The two words are sure and certain. You even see them there. Confident assurance that it's going to happen. It's it's absolutely going to happen. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what is a moment we just don't see. So here's a very simple definition of faith to challenge you and I. Faith, complete confidence that God will do what he said. And of course, that's related to always his promises, and the Bible is filled with promises. Now, as you read some of these, you see the word hope, and that can get people confused. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. This is Super Bowl weekend. 
And when we pray together, you can't get in your group, and you're a New York fan. God, you told me, I can be certain, because I'm hoping for this. The Super Bowl has nothing to do with God at all. He isn't up there rooting for one or the other. He has plenty of other things to do. So the hope, but there are things that you and I hope for. I mean, we have hope. We have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of getting a new body. Amen. We have hope that there is light coming at the end of the tunnel. Some of you are in a darkness now. The scripture says in the morning, the sun will rise. So we have hope. But see, all those are related to the promises of God. That's where the certainty comes from. Not something that I hope. I hope my house sells tomorrow for double what I bought it. What world are you living in, right? So we have to go back to the scriptures, and of course, and that's what everything. The object of faith is God himself and his word. It isn't something we drum up, or as you hear some people tell you, just say it, and your words have creative power. No, you're not God, and I'm not God. God's word has creative power. So it's not this wish list that we come up with. It's based on a command or a promise of God. Now, since faith is based on simply what God said, it shouldn't surprise you. How does faith get increased in me? How does it get built up? Well, it's very easy. You know, Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes through the word. So as we read the word, as you're in the word this week, in your quiet time, and you read a promise from God, well, you can have faith in that because it's going to happen. Now, let me just take a little dichotomy for a second. It won't take long. When you see the promises of God in the Bible, basically there's two types. One, well, the promises that are conditional. If we abide in him, then the word will richly abide in us, and he'll come in and have his home with us. So if, when you see an if and a promise, that means you have something to do with it. If you don't keep your part, God can't keep his part, okay? Let me give you an example. If we confess our sins, he is what? He's faithful to always forgive my sin. You're going to see Cain won't confess his sin. Promise doesn't fly. So, conditional. There's others that are not conditional. Jesus said this, anyone that comes to me, I won't cast out. Doesn't matter what they've done, if they'll just come. Here's another one. Did you know that God said he'll never leave you? He'll never forsake you. Never. Well, is that conditional on me? No, it has nothing to do with you. That's all God. So there's lots of those. And so as you go through the promises, if you see an if, that's for you and me. If you see other promises, don't have the if, that's just the character of God. By the way, one of the things we know in the scripture, God can never lie. You're going to see another one. God can't be pleased without faith. It's huge to him. And so that's a wonderful blessing for us. So how does this work? Let me just give you a little sequence. You don't need to write it down. Faith comes by believing God in his word. So the more we read the word, the more we 
take time to hear him speak to us, that faith in me grows. When faith grows, hope is produced. When hope is produced, the end result of that is endurance. I can hang in there. And at the end of endurance, we finish our race well. So we have faith in the word of God. Faith produces hope. Hope produces endurance. Endurance helps us to finish well, all based on the promises of God. By the way, as you look at this chapter 11, and I think it's very important because of the attack on the word of God, Paul, a Bible scholar, brilliant, he believed in the Old Testament. Everything we're going to do here in chapter 11 is from the Old Testament. He believed in it. He based his life on it. And of course, we do as well. 1 Peter 1.7 gives us something. You don't need to turn there, but the next thing I want you to write is this. The reason we title teaching God's Gymnasium is because faith must be exercised or tested to grow. Faith is simply like a muscle. It has to be exercised if it's going to get stronger, or it will atrophy. The flabby arm deal. It'll just be there, waving in the breeze. It's kind of ugly. We don't like to see it. So it's got to be exercised a little bit, a little firmness. You know, when your wife hugs you guys, she doesn't start singing J-E-L-L-O. You wanted to hear Sadie Rocky or something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe God can't help with that one either, I guess, but whatever. First Peter 1.7 says this. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These trials come that your faith may be proven genuine. Now, God knows, because he designed us, that he designed our lives to be one venture of faith after another. And that's what this chapter is really a picture of. It's a picture of the Old Testament gymnasium of faith. All these individuals that we go through, they're tested many times by very difficult situations, things thought totally impossible, and yet they had to exercise that faith. So I gave you a very simple definition of faith. I'm going to give you one that's a little longer, and you don't really have to write it down, but I want you to understand it. Because many people have some faith, but their faith isn't growing, and it's not really active. So here's what I call active faith, and I'll just read it to you. Believing the word of God, very simple to the regular definition, believing the word of God or his promises and acting on it, not just believing on it, believing isn't enough, and acting on it no matter how I feel or what I see because God promises a good result. In other words, A baby Christian isn't going to get this part. But as we move along, my faith has to be active. Ventures of faith mean I have to take steps of faith. I have to obey when I don't know what the outcome is going to be. All I know is God said, do it. 
and I have to take that step of faith. And as I do that, my faith then becomes active. It isn't just this nice definition of faith. As you know, we're saved by faith, and that has nothing to do with our what we're talking about here. This is living by faith, walking by faith. You'll see worshiping by faith. So I believe the Word of God enough that I act on it. And I continue to act on it because God promised me it's going to be okay, even when things at the moment don't look like it's going to be that way. Now, be careful that you don't become presumptuous with that. A lot of people do that. We just want to hear God and understand what he says and then take those ventures of faith. We leave that in God's hand because he says to go for it. Now, turn with me to James chapter 2. We won't take a lot of time in this, but you know the big dichotomy, James and Paul, faith works, how we flow all that out. James chapter 2 Verse 17, I think Hughes in his commentary gives a great visual picture of how this works. James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's why I gave you the definition of active faith. You don't want dead faith. Dead faith is useless. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Now, Hughes says this. Just picture two wings of a bird. One wing is faith. One wing is righteous works, fruit, because I'm a Christian. Listen to this. Faith and righteous works are like the wings of a bird. There can be no real life, no flight, with a single wing, whether works or faith. Not going anywhere, okay? But when the two are pumping in concert, their owner soars through the heaven. Authentic faith produces an authentic life that flies high. Isn't that a beautiful picture? So see, you can't say, I got a lot of faith. Well, what are you doing for God? Nothing. No, you're just waving in the wind. Well, I do all these works. They're all me. It's all me. God isn't part of me. That's useless. No, you have to have faith. God says, here's the venture. Go do it. You step out in faith, and you take a step of faith and a step of action. And you work hard, as we showed you. And all of a sudden, things are accomplished. That's the balance of this. Don't get it misunderstood. So, when we have faith, obedience is a huge part of faith. Faith produces obedience, and obedience will then produce good works, or fruit as a result. Pastor Mark's teaching today was the beginning of Hebrews 11. In this chapter, the writer is showing these Jewish believers how the new covenant of Jesus is better than the covenant of Moses. Pastor Mark gave you a definition of faith, which was simply the complete confidence that God will do what he said. You saw how the people in chapter 11 demonstrated this kind of faith. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark's going to continue his teaching, Faith, God's Gymnasium. He'll go on in the 11th chapter of Hebrews telling you about the different people listed. You'll learn about their special challenges and how they trusted God to take care of their circumstances. You'll be encouraged to let God grow your faith just like he did for those people. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series in Hebrews, that's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.